Thank you for joining us online. You're about to hear a sermon from our overseer, Pastor John Moratori. If God has used this ministry in any way, we encourage you to drop us an email at amen at citywidechurch.us. We're always excited to hear how God is using this ministry to bless and inspire faith all over Bridgeport. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at citywidechurch.us and join us in our commitment to make a change. You can be seated. I mean, no, it's good to be here, amen? I am excited. I had a vision of Lewis, Pastor Lewis there, when he said that he was at a Justin Bieber concert. As a girl. I mean, if you're going to go, at least go as a guy. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. You know, I, wanna, I want you to kind of shift as we uh, move through this uh, service today. You know, um, like Pastor Lewis said, I, I, I really come here as a father, not as a guest. And um, I'm so proud of what Pastor Lewis and, uh, and Pastor Yesenia are doing. And uh, I'm just really excited about the work that they're doing. I got to say, I get excited just being around Pastor Lewis. I mean, he's, he's always excited. He's excited when he eats. No, you ever notice that? Like, like, he's just excited. Everything is exciting. He's like, let's eat, let's eat, let's eat. Pastor, let's eat. Let us go eat like we've never eaten before. And so it's very contagious. And, and that's a good thing because... Um, a lot of times we need, to, we need to have that level of excitement to get to where God wants to bring us, amen? And so they are doing a great job. I am so proud of you and your wife and just the transitions of ministry that you've had to navigate. Um, and uh, it's exciting. Uh, you could pull me down just a little bit on this microphone. Um, I'll probably yell, scream, cry. Come on. Amen. Um, we do have some uh, Calvary people here that... Uh, I think you skipped out on the service today at Calvary, or some of you did go to service and then ran out. All the Calvary people, stand up if you're here. If you're from Calvary. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. My lovely wife is with me. We're excited to be here. And uh, again, I, I just can't begin to tell you. Um, in school, we met in a school for uh, oh, almost two years, about 18 months uh, after our building collapsed, and uh, boy, did we get an education. And uh, so you're in that process. But how many know this is just a temporary location? And, um, and it's not to be a permanent place. Um, it is so that you can sojourn here for a season and glean from this area as many members as you possibly can so that you can get to the next place that God wants to bring you. Amen. Um, there are some uh, things, you know, before I get into this, there are some uh, resources that we did bring, and um, I would encourage you to visit the table in the back and uh, get a hold of those resources. Those resources took 25 years, 25 years of going through the pit to hell and back in order to present them to you, in order to help you get to where we are today 
and to bring out of you the things that God wants to do in your life. So whenever you have an opportunity to uh, reap what would take somebody years to get and you can get it in a simple setting, uh, then, then, then you should do that. Amen? Amen? All right, stand with me uh, this morning. And um, I have... Um, I have a word for you um, that's fresh. Um, and, and what I mean by that, a lot of traveling, a lot of times when we travel, traveling preachers, they have su- such a repertoire of material that they can give that is fresh to the people that are hearing it. But, but the Lord's been moving on me uh, with a word over the last uh, couple months um, and I think the seeds of it have been over the last probably five years. And so um, uh, I didn't know where the Lord wanted me to speak this, but, but it's here. And so I think it's fitting that you hear this. I've, I have a prophetic word for you. This very important that you, you know, kind of, and again, if you can somehow, I'm echoing again. Um, if you could just pull, pull down a little bit on that mic, and then when it gets to a sweet spot, just leave it and I'll be good. Amen. Um, I want to make sure there's no distractions for what I uh, want to share with you this morning. So uh, why don't you turn to somebody and say, this is a word for me. Now, now, now I, don't know, I don't know about you, but, but I want to get to the next level. I want to get to where God wants to bring me. And so if you're that person, turn to the person next to you and say, this is a word for me. Let me say that one more time because you don't sound too convincing that you're ready to hear a word for you. Now, I could give you a regurgitation of a word, amen? We can hit the drive-through if you want, you know what I mean? Um, or, or we can put something in the oven for the next few minutes and really bake it so, 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 so you can begin to... My wife was up early this morning, and she had a roast in the oven. And uh, she said, should I put it in now? Should I put it in now or put it in later? And I thought to myself, well, put it in later because the whole house is going to smell like a roast, and I won't want to leave. And sure enough, 45 minutes later, the whole house smelt like a roast, praise God. And um, that's what I want this word to be for you. I want, I want in the next few minutes for us to start to see this thing baking so that you can smell. Well, God, you could smell the glory of the Lord. You can smell the lilies on the valley. You could smell what God wants to do. And, um, and so I want to challenge you. Stretch forth your hands. I, I'm telling you, I have a word for you. Uh, this morning. If you'll receive it, I have a word for you. Um, and, um, and let's go before the Lord. Father, we do thank you uh, this morning, Lord, and ask that you would move here. Our hearts are open. Our hearts are open to you, Lord. ask that you would move in this house today, Lord. Father, I believe there's going to be deliverance here. I believe today that some individuals are going to change their address. Father, their address is going to change, Lord. And uh, God, we pray today that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, we all say what? Amen. Say amen. Praise God. Uh, you can be see. I have a twist. I have a twist on a subject that um, has been well uh, preached in leadership and um, 
has been well taught in churches, and if you've been around church for any extended time, you've heard messages on vision, vision, vision. It's the necessary, you would say, piece of equipment that every leader must have in his repertoire. You cannot lead an organization. You cannot lead a church unless you have vision. Let me make it a little bit more down your street. You cannot lead your family without vision. Let me get it even a little more personal. You cannot lead yourself without a level of vision. You must have vision. Now, one of the problems that when you get to the organizational level or when you get to the group gathering, to the congregation, not everyone has the same vision. I remember the Lord began to speak to me about our own church, and I began to question the vision of our church. I didn't question the stated vision. What I questioned was, what does everyone see? Forget about the written vision on the website. Forget about the anthem that's spoken in the church that you can recite quickly. I'm just talking about pure, unadulterated, simple vision. What do you see? Not everyone sees the same thing. Though they might walk in some level of agreement, they all don't see the same thing. And it's based on their own personal experience, based on what they don't see or what they do see. Faith, faith has everything to do with what you see or don't see. It is the evidence of things hoped for, the evidence, and think about this, things not seen. Seen has to do with faith. Not everyone has the same faith. So you could have a stated vision in a church, but everyone doesn't see it because everyone's not at the same faith level. So some call you crazy, radical. Some criticize you because they think your position or your direction of where you're bringing an organization is not good because they don't see what you see. They don't see it. They don't see it. Pastor, I just don't see it. Vision. Vision. What do I See, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, I felt like it was fitting that the Lord would give me this word um, for this church coming back to this city because this is where I began ministry in this city. That's why when I come here, I don't come here like a guest. I pastored here for 10 years. Um, you know, I pastored in the city. I started as a church planner in the heart of Bridgeport uh, many, many years ago. You know, 25 years ago, I was feeding the homeless on the streets, opening up drug rehabilitation centers all through Bridgeport. We were uh, talking on the ride down here about coming back to Bridgeport. And so, and so I'm not somebody who's just blowing in, blowing up, and blowing out. I'm very familiar. I was born and raised in this city, and I'm very familiar with this city. I got memories here. I got memories of members getting their cars stolen at church service. <laughs> My wife was one of them. She was petrified because she's a valley girl. She came from Ansonia and heard about what God was doing in the city of Bridgeport and, and came to Bridgeport and, uh, and the devil met her and stole her car. <laughs> she went out of church and I think the Lord was trying to get us to go on a date so he had her car stolen. <laughs> Bless the good Lord, amen. I got held up in this city by, with a shotgun leaving church. Are you with me? I'm very familiar with this city. 
I got jumped by a gang in this city on the back side of the courthouse building leading individuals to Christ. Every single one that surrounded us was surrounded by the Latin kings. We led them all to the Lord. The night I got held up with a shotgun, I led that man to the Lord also. And so I'm very familiar. Not only do I have memories of difficult things and trials in this city, I also have memories of stirring up some stuff. We talked about this too, kind of funny on the way down. Casting out devils in this city. And you can't survive in this city if you can't bind a few things. Cast out a few things. At a minimum, spit at a few things, amen? In this city 25 years ago, we launched a global, uh, listen to this, a global radio ministry in the, in the late 90s. Out of this city, we were covered across the world on shortwave radio uh, 18, 20 years ago. We've seen thousands come to the Lord through our Jesus outreach, citywide outreaches all through down Seaside Park, all through the city, Marina Village. Back then there was Father Panic Village. Some of you don't know nothing about that. But uh, we went all through Father Panic Village and reached out, took, took individuals off the street, prayed for crack addicts, see them get straight, prayed for heroin addicts, getting needles out of their arms and, and doing some crazy stuff back then. And uh, we had teams 24 hours a day that were in uniforms that said open door ministry. That was our name. We, they used to call us overdose ministry because we were willing to go to hell with a hand basket and a water pistol, do just about anything. This is real, man. This is real. I got, I got people here that, that are still, that's, I still have fruit from this city. Are you with me? Of Individuals that re-reached in this city, and uh, we impacted the Latin kings. We've seen, we seen literally hundreds of Latin kings come to the Lord. And I uh, did a funeral uh, here, uh, right, right down here on Fairfield Avenue at the funeral center there, that me and my wife had to be escorted in by the FBI to do a funeral for the Latin kings. One of the drug uh, members there, one of the uh, members was shot down in the street, happened to be the brother of one of our members. And, uh, and there I asked the parents there if I can have liberty to speak at that, at that funeral service and warned them that this life will produce more killings and will produce, and will produce more lives, more sons and more daughters taken. And they gave me full reign to speak that message. And women were screaming and kids were screaming as I told them that the devil has nothing to offer them but death, death, but that Jesus has life to offer them. And some of the gang members... Listen, I were, some of the gang members, I said, don't raise your hand because we don't want to expose you that you want an exit from the Latin Kings. But secretly, they began to contact the, the member of our church whose brother was shot down in the streets for a, for a piece of concrete, a piece of territory, shot down. And he uh, was involved in leading literally tens of uh, individuals out of the Latin Kings and gave their lives to the Lord. I'm very familiar with this city. And the Lord's been stirring me um, you know, he's been stirring me over the past, you know, few years and, and, and more over the past few months. And I, I, I'm telling you, I have a word for you. And, and here's what he's been stirring me with, discomforting me with, and, and why I think it's important to speak this message here. He's been challenging me to enter to the place, enter the place, and write this down, the place of permanence. I'll explain that in a minute, the place of permanence. The place of permanence. I want you to get that in your system. The place of permanence. We talk about vision. I want to talk about provision. 
I want to talk about provision. I know the scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish. But I say to you, where there is no provision, the vision can't be fulfilled. Provision, provision, a place of provision, a permanent place of sustenance, a permanent place of provision. That's what the Bible teaches, that there are stages in our relationship with God, that he brings us through. We sung about going through the storm. That's exactly what you should be doing. Going through the storm to get to the place of provision. Let me say it again. To get to the place, the final place of permanence. We're not used to hearing this. We're not used to hearing this. We're used to hearing the second stage that we enter into. We're good at getting out of bondage. The first stage that Israel is in. They're in Egypt and they get out of bondage. But then they end up in the wilderness. And a journey that was supposed to take seven days. Now ends up being 40 years in the wilderness. And we've become a church in America that is very comfortable in the wilderness. And when we begin to doubt God, we actually take a step back to the leeks and onions rather than get to the place of permanent provision, provision, a place of rest, a place of happiness, a place of sustenance, a place of happiness, a place of provision. You might not want to go there, but I want to go there. If you want to be a dumb dumb and stay here, then you go ahead and stay here. But I'm telling you, the Lord's been wooing me and challenging me to get to a place of provision. Listen to this verse of Scripture, John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I've ordained you. These ain't ministry credentials that you hang on a wall. I've ordained you. That you should do what? You're ordaining. You're anointing. I've anointed you. I've chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Jesus would say to you today, prophetically, I say to you today, prophetically, that you didn't choose Jesus. You were not that smart. He chose you. He hooked you in. He set you up. He brought you in. He wooed you to himself. And he anointed you to bring forth fruit. Now listen to what he says. That you should go, that you should bring forth fruit. Listen, listen. Go, bring forth fruit. Fruit remain. Three stages. Go, fruit, remaining fruit. That's what the scripture says. That you should go, stage one. Get out of Egypt. Go. You've been anointed to break bondage, to break slavery, to break addiction, to break every bad habit. You must go. And I want you to bring forth fruit. Your first experience of fruit comes in the wilderness. That you begin to trust God. But then he takes you to the final stage. That your fruit should remain. I've anointed you to get to the place of permanent provision, 
where the fruit remains. Not one step forward, two steps back. Not the roller coaster of up, down, all around. Don't know where I am. I'm up one minute, down the next minute. I got prosperity for a second. I'm blessed for a moment. But then the blessing dries up. The scripture says, I've ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Remaining fruit, permanent fruit, permanent rest. Are you with me? Israel begins in bondage. They begin in bondage. Whenever the enemy senses you're about to experience deliverance, he tightens his grip. He increases his affliction. He presses on your poverty. Pharaoh commanded when he heard from Moses, he commanded that the taskmasters tighten the grip on Israel so that they wouldn't believe that there was more to life than slavery and bondage. It's amazing that Israel in the wilderness begins to want the thing that held them in bondage. They want the leeks and onions again. They step back rather than step forward. Are you with me? I got some things I want to share with you that are important. You know, God sends the message of Moses, which was a message of deliverance. The message of Moses was a message of deliverance. Deliver God's people. Set them free. That's Moses' main message. Now, I find it kind of amazing. Listen to this. It's very important that God uses Moses as the vessel to bring Israel that message because Moses is not a slave. So the only Jew that he can find that was not brainwashed with a slave mentality. Are you with me? The only Jew that he can find. He had to hide that Jew while he was born, place him in a place of prominence where he would begin to think and see things differently. And Moses wasn't raised in slavery. Moses was raised in the house of Egypt, in the house of Pharaoh. He was a privileged man. He knew what it was like to have provision. He knew what it was like to be sustained. He knew what it was like. And God uses him because he didn't have the mindset of slavery. He didn't have the mindset of bondage. And so God sends someone to Israel who doesn't come from the same pit. He brings them from the palace in order to minister to them a message of deliverance. That's God's vessel that he uses. He chooses an Egyptian prince. To bring about a message of deliverance to the people who are slaves. Are you with me? The message of Joshua is a message of victory. Joshua's position and him being used as a vessel. He is being used as a vessel to bring Israel into the promised land. Moses must have thought to himself after being raised in a house of provision... To now be connected to a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, but still has to put up with the small mindset of Israel, who at every trial and tribulation, 
longs to go back to bondage, longs to go back to the leeks and onion, still has a bent to slip backwards rather than push forward. He finally gets to a place, and I know this as a leader. I, I want to speak to you as a leader. One of the most frustrating things as a leader is to get people out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Moses gets so frustrated, he says, kill me. That's what he said. That was his antidote for ministry. Kill me. I don't want to live long. Why do I want to live long? Lord, if you don't go with me, I'm tired of the belly aching. I'm tired of the people who don't want to move forward into the place of provision. The place of provision. Not every one of you here today is going to long for the place of provision. Many of you can't even decide or discern the place of provision from the place of the wilderness. Because you've been in the wilderness for so long. That is where you're building your house. And you've set up camp and you sing songs about the promised land. But you're familiar, familiar with the wilderness. And you've become addicted to the provision in the wilderness than the fruit of the promised land. All you want is manna every day and you go out for your daily bread and you are not getting to the place of provision. Oh boy. Here's what the, the wilderness is that second stage. For Israel it's supposed to last seven days. Hear me, this is supposed to last seven days. Instead, it lasts for 40 years. The wilderness is a time where you learn how to overcome things. The wilderness is a place where you overcome the inner man. The stinking thinking, the strongholds, your fears, your depressions, your anxiety, your doubt. Israel, under Moses, they get out of slavery. They're free, but they are unstable in everything they do. They are unstable. God's good, God's bad. God's good, God's bad. God's good, God's bad. Would you make up your mind? He's either good or bad. They chide with Moses. They're, they're anxious. They're fearful. They're depressed. Their emotions are on a whim as the wind blows, so their emotions go. They love Moses, hate Moses, love Moses, hate Moses. He's the best, he's the worst. He's a lover, he's a murderer. They like him, they don't like him. They are fickle in everything they do. They are unstable in their mind. They are unstable in their relationship. Are you with me? It is consistent with someone who is in the wilderness. Those members that are unstable in the church are those that are consistent with being in a wilderness experience. What are we going to do? I need water. 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 And so we live day to day. Listen, I'm going to come down your street. We live day to day, emergency to emergency, never having enough. Pastor 911. I'm in a jam. What do you need? I need groceries. I serve a big God who can put food on your table, who can meet your need. But we don't get taught promised land messages. We get taught wilderness messages. Get, we get caught comfortable messages. Oh, just trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. In our day, a permanent provision never comes. I want to challenge. God has been challenging. challenging. He has been wooing me to the place of permanence. 
And here's, how, here's what he's been saying to me. It is not a place for everyone. Moses lost his place of permanence because he tried to bring everyone there. Thus he got frustrated and angry with the people. And the frustration of the people caused him to miss the land of provision. I will not. I will not. I will not. I tell you today. I will not stop going to the place of provision. Even if it's only me and my wife. If the kids want to stay in the wilderness, see ya. No, you need to get this word. You need to get this word because maybe a handful of you are going to head to the place of the promised land where it is a place of rest, a place of provision. We've gotten so accustomed speaking about some individuals in the Bible that when we look at Job, we say, well, Job, Job, I'm having a Job moment, a Job moment. Some of us are having a Job life. Read your Bible. We talk about Job. Oh, I'm under affliction. I'm under, I feel like I've been Job for 20 years. Job Job had one year that he went through affliction. He was a wealthy man who lived in the land of provision, who lived in a land of success. He went through hell for a year, and then he got doubly blessed, and you never read a scripture. There's never another scripture that says Job again entered into a place of want. He was in a place of provision, provision, provision. You talk about Joseph. Oh, Joseph, he went to the pit. Yeah, but when he was promoted to the palace... He stayed in the palace. He remained in the palace. He was promoted to the palace. And he never again went back to the pit. He reached his place. He got to his place. He died an old man rich. He died an old man with everything he needed. Ring on his hand, second in command over all the known world. When he got to his place, you could just throw out names and I'll tell you. Everyone from Naomi and Ruth. Yeah, Ruth went through hell. But when she got back to Israel, she married Boaz and she never went back. Boaz changed everything. She got to the place of permanent, permanent, permanent. Permanent! 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 Permanent provision. Are you with me? We're so used to the roller coaster. Up and down, up and down. I'm up this week, Pastor. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm down next week. Smiling, frowning. Smiling, frowning. One week, got a raise. Next month, lost your job. Are you with me? We got these strange pictures. We got these strange pictures of God. And they're not biblical. God is comfortable with gaudy. Do you know what gaudy is? Gaudy is what you see some of the kids with. Big gold necklaces around their neck. Wish they'd buy a pair of pants that fit, but. 
No, 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 wait a minute. Some of you are going to be very uncomfortable when you get to heaven. You know why Judas isn't in heaven? Because he, could, he couldn't survive. He couldn't, Judas couldn't handle an alabaster box. How is he ever going to handle streets of gold? No, no, no. I don't know what God you serve, but the God I serve is comfortable, is comfortable with wealth. He owns the cat. That's why the Bible said he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't know what you've been representing, but you ain't been representing a God. Man's greatest riches is God's trash. Tweet that. The greatest riches of the earth. We always look at the gold price. What's gold doing? In heaven, God walks on it. What God is saying to us is your greatest riches is my trash. It's what I walk on. It's the floor. It's what I walk on. I walk on pearls and diamonds. I, I walk. Whatever you think is, is rich, whatever you think is wealth in heaven, it's nothing. I paint the sky with a rainbow just because I could. Just because I could. I create mountains just because I want to rest my feet. That's the God we serve who is comfortable. See, we think when we get successful, we're discomforting God somehow. Like God doesn't know how to handle success. Ooh, what's God going to do with that person who got comfortable? No, 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 no. God is fine with blessing. God is very comfortable with blessing. He is very comfortable. He said to David, David, if you would have asked anything, I would have given it to you. Oh, you look at the Bible. You look at Abraham. The Bible says he was a man of wealth. You look that God brings his servants to a place of permanent provision. He brings them to a place of provision. Are you getting this? Health, satisfaction, happiness, enjoy life, to enjoy life. That's my new thing. God's wooing. I want to challenge you. God's wooing me. He's wooing me. If someone doesn't want to go and enjoy life, they still want to slip, dip, and mess up and do whatever, then you go and you deal with your wilderness. But there has got to be individuals who are being wooed by the Holy Spirit to go into the place of provision. The place of provision. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 19. You don't need to turn there. I'll I'll just explain this to you. Nehemiah is having to build the wall because he knows that the permanent place of provision cannot happen until Israel rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem so that they can then inhabit Jerusalem and Messiah can come. They all looked for Jesus to come. They looked for a Messiah to come, for Yahweh to come to the earth in order to bring them into a place of permanent provision permanent provision and he challenges his congregation of that day he challenges them with these words he says in verse 19 yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness the pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way neither the pillar 
of fire by night. Listen to this. I mean, you know, for those of us that are looking for the manifestation of God's presence. Here's the manifestation of God's presence in this. He's speaking to the group who has to build the wall with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other hand in order for them to get to the place of permanence, the place of sustenance. And he says to them that God did not forsake them in the wilderness. He kept the pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. He led them in the way. Thou gave them also thy good spirit to instruct them. And withheldest not thy manna from their mouth and gaveth them water for thirst. Yea, for forty years did the Lord sustain them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wax old and their feet did not swell. Now when you read that, you think of that and people are cheering. That's not how Nehemiah is saying it. You can only find what he is saying when you look at the original Hebrew, the word sustain there. The word, the word sustain. And yea, 40 years did the Lord sustain them. Sustain them in the wilderness. He sustained them. They lacked nothing. In the wilderness for 40 years, he sustains them. Now, if you're Israel, you're going to shout hallelujah. That's not what Nehemiah is saying. The word sustain there means God contained them. He held them. Nehemiah is using these words to say, we don't want to be like that generation who had to build houses in the wilderness. Though they lacked nothing, they never got to the place of permanent provision. God held them back, and out of his grace and mercy, he made sure they didn't lack anything. So he gave them daily water and daily bread. They lived day by day on the skirts of God to be trained by God and instructed. He gave them teachers with a good spirit. These are wilderness preachers. Wilderness preachers. Let me say that again. They are wilderness preachers that point to the fire and to the cloud. Look, God is around us and they instruct them daily. It's a good spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a breaker spirit. And the Holy Spirit cannot be contained. No, no, no. The Spirit of God cannot be contained. So God lifted the Holy Spirit and he gave them a good spirit. So the wilderness preacher said, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to turn out good. It's going to turn out good. It's going to be okay. We got the fire tonight. We got the fire tonight. Look up. God's meeting your need. You get your daily check. This is a place of, not provision, this is a place of entitlement. Based on Abraham, I'm going to allow them to have daily entitlements, but I will not allow them to get to the place of permanent provision. You will not store up for the next day. Anything that's delivered to you today will turn into worms tomorrow. That is a sign that you are in the wilderness because your provision today turns out to be nothing that amounts itself to worms tomorrow. It is not sustainable. Sustainable. Only sustainable happens in the promised land. Some of you, you're not getting this. You're not, you're not understanding this. You're, you're not understanding that God wants to bring us from the wilderness. We've gotten so adapted to the wilderness message, the wilderness preacher, 
that a word of momentary deliverance gets us excited. We get moved by when the check comes in the mail. Oh, we got to get a check in the mail. In the mail. I need one now. That we fail to build and move and chase after the place of permanent provision because we're still asking God for daily provision. And daily provision is not permanent provision. It is only for a day. It is only for a day. Listen, I'm laying a platform here. I'm trying to instruct you, instruct you to get to the place of permanent provision. You need to wake up. The inside of you needs to wake up and recognize that God has a place a provision, a place of rest, a place of happiness, a place of health to bring you to. Let me say something about the Jewish people. They expect to be blessed. Now this generation wasn't expecting it, but the sons of Abraham and the generation that flowed from Abraham had expectation of blessing. But these are people who have had 450 years of bondage. You have to watch out who you hang around with. No, listen, I've learned that over the years. You got to watch out who you hang around with. Because you could get stuck in the wilderness. Don't build in the wilderness. Are you with me? Don't build in the wilderness. Because once you settle in, it's hard to get out. Pastor Lewis, listen, here's a word for you. You got to surround yourself with giant killers. Listen, giant killers. Moses sent out spies, 12 spies. 10 came back and said, we're nothing more than grasshoppers. Two came back and said, listen, this is no problem at all. We can conquer the promised land. We got to get away from individuals who keep saying, we can't, I can't, you can't, it's not there. We can't do it. We can't do it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did God tell us to do it? Because if God told us to do it, walk in provision, have expectation that it'll happen. David surrounded himself with crazy people. He was thirsty one day. Thirsty. Just, want, I want, I want, I want thirsty. I want something to drink. Boy, would I love to get something from the well that is, you know, our grandfather's and our forefather's well. Well, that well happened to be behind enemy lines of the Philistines. And three of his giant killers heard David say, I really just want to get a drink of water. I can't wait till we have. So they broke into the enemy's camp, went to the well snuck in behind enemy, li- enemy lines, went in, got him a bucket of water, brought him back a bucket of water from the place he said, boy, I would just love to have a glass of water from the well that's on the other side, that's in the promised land, it's in the provision place, and they went and got him a drink. When he got back, he was so shocked by it, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. He said, this is too great for me to consume myself, and he threw it out as it, or poured it out as an offering to the Lord. He was surrounded with radical individuals that would take no for an answer. It's amazing what you can do when there's a consensus of individuals who even though they are outnumbered, even though they are outmatched, even though they are undereducated, even though they come from an inner city, that God has a plan for them to do something great for them and all God is asking for. Listen, when I read my Bible, it does not say that I have to have money. It does not say that I have to accumulate wealth in order to fulfill God's plan. What it does say is I have to trust him. Amen. 
that I have to trust him. Having faith is what allows me to get to the place of provision. Having faith allows me to get to the place of provision. It's the starting point for each one of us. Israel had expectation. And when they didn't win, when they didn't win, they got mad. You ain't seen nothing till you've seen a Jewish person get mad. When they're in a business deal and they don't win, they don't get what they're expecting to get. They got mad. Old Testament calls, they, they ripped their clothes off, fell on their knees, poured sackcloth and ashes all over them. They ripped their outfits, they fell on the ground, they took the ashes from the offering that they offered to God, which was a symbol of their covenant. They threw it over their head so that every time God looked down, he would see a remembrance of the ashes in order for them to say to God, why didn't we win? Why didn't we win? Why didn't we win? We get into prayer and we beg. They got into prayer and got mad. Are you with? They got into prayer because they had an expect to win mentality. Expect to succeed mentality. Expect to be the head and not the tail. Expect to put the devil under your feet. They had an expect mentality. It's what we lack today. I can't begin to tell you it's what we lack today. We don't have an expect win. What could you do with a hundred people who had an expect win mentality? Who had a vision, a vision of a place of permanent provision, a place of permanent sustenance, a place of rest, where we can finally start doing the things that God has called us to do, where the vision has provision. Are you with me? Here's what I learned. Some people just won't go there. Some people, I've had to resolve this even over the last few years and even the last few months. The Lord's been speaking to me about this, speaking to me and saying that everyone's not going to go to this place. I've recognized that. Everyone is not going to go to this place. And just as it wore Moses out, you have to resolve in your life. You're either going to be a wilderness congregant or a promised land congregant. You have to resolve in your life. You're going to be a wilderness preacher or you're going to be a promised land preacher. Are you with me? I don't know about you, but I'm go- I am not a good wilderness preacher. And I'll hit the rock. I don't have faith that I will not hit the rock. I'll hit someone. If I forget the rock, I'll hit. If the rock causes me not to, I'd rather just hit someone. Whip up on someone. Say, hey, stupid. Pull yourself together. God, we're talking about a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We don't serve a scrawny God. Are you with me today? I don't know what you see. I don't know what you see, but we don't serve a scrawny God. We don't serve a God who's an Indian giver. Are you with me? Is everyone good? How many know the devil's a liar? Sustainable, 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 sustainable. Provision to carry out the vision. 
I wish I had this word when I was 25 years old pastoring. I wish the Lord, no, the Lord sent me and I was ministering to wilderness people, to wilderness people, trying to get them to talk right, trying to get them to act like king's kids, trying to get them to act like princes, like Moses who came from the house of a prince, who lived, he came from the house of a pharaoh. He was a prince. He understood the language of a prince. And so I spent years trying to get people to adapt the language of king's kids. Get the language of doubt out and the language of provision in. Get the language of faith in and get the language of doubt out. Talk like a king's king's kid. Don't say this is the last moment. I guess we're going to all just die. Take up ship and leave. And this this is the end. No, listen, when you're faced with a Red Sea and the army behind you, that's when you need to act like the king's kid and say, I don't know if anyone else. But Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This too will work out to our good. And so I spent years trying to take groups of individuals through the process of learning the language. Teaching young people that you're you're princesses and you're princes. Trust God. He wants to do great things. He wants to use you in the marketplace. He wants to use you to start businesses. He wants you to use you to broker big deals for the kingdom. He wants to use you to do great things on earth. And our Father which is in heaven owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And so he can easily send us a little bit of pavement. Lord, all I'm asking for is a little footing. Are you with me? Let me, let me, let, can, can, I, I want to show you some things. Two, two, two things I want to show you. Listen to this. The king's glory is in his territory. The king's glory is in his territory. Our greatest fight is going to be over your territory, not sin and sickness. Your greatest battle in your life is going to be over the ground in which you stand on. You are either going to submit to the ground of the wilderness or you're going to fight to be the landlord of your own life. That's what Israel needed to do. When they got to the promised land, the Bible says that the day they stepped into the land of Canaan, the manna ceased. No more entitlements now. Here's what he said. Joshua, you're of a new generation. Moses has died off and that generation has died off. Now a new generation arises who's been taught by Joshua and Moses of better things to come. They've been taught promised land messages. They've been taught, we're going to head to the promise. We're going through the wilderness to get to the promised land. God's intention was to bring them through it in seven days. Took them 40 years. Some of us are going to take 40 years too. I'm here to tell you, I'm prophesying to you that God does not intend for it to take 40 years. He desires for this church to get through it faster. Why can't you make a bigger impact in the city of Bridgeport? Why can't you grow to 5,000 members in the city of Bridgeport? Why can't you begin to buy a property in the city of Bridgeport? Why can't you not go out and take treasures out of darkness? Why can't you not go forth and do what God called you to do? Start businesses. What's stopping you from being a lending center? What's stopping you from walking in what God desires for you to walk in? 
It's for you to begin to start thinking of a God who's able to bring us into permanent provision, territory, territory. Our greatest fight is going to be over territory. God didn't set them free from Egypt to bring them into wilderness and die off. That's God's great plan for us. Kill us now. Bring us to heaven. It'd be better to be heaven than to be in this wilderness. Are you with me? People say, how are we going to survive? Things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. How are we going to survive? How are we going to survive? The stock market's crashing. How are we going to survive? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? That's fear. How are we going to make it? That's wilderness thinking. What are we going to do, Moses? What are we going to do, Moses? What are we going to do? No water, no water, no water, no water, no water. God says, I can bring water out of a rock. Never fear me. Never doubt me. Never get filled with anxiety. Never get depressed. Don't you know out of a rock I can bring forth provision to you? That's why he brought him to the wilderness to prove he is God. So if God can sustain them in the wilderness, how much more can he do to release them? To release them to build. To build the things that he desires for them to build. Are you with me? The king's reputation is in the success of his servants. I want to read a scripture verse here about Solomon and Sheba. First Kings chapter 10 verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him. Prove him. The context of the word prove here in this context is only used twice in the whole Bible. It is mentioned here and then it will be later mentioned in the book of Malachi where God says that you are, if you are a giver and that you put him first, come now with the receipts and prove me that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. For those of us that are givers, that's the text. So you take the text in Malachi and you find the first place it's mentioned and you end up here to where the queen of Sheba comes to Solomon in order to prove him she wants to see his wealth and his wisdom his wealth and his wisdom she doesn't come to get wealth she's already wealthy She's the queen of Sheba. Wait a minute. She's the queen of Sheba. She comes, the scripture says, she brings a very great train of riches with her. Camels, spices, gold, precious stones. She comes with wealth. She is wealthy. But she wants to see what God is doing. So the wealthy come not to see the impoverished. The wealthy came to see the wealth of heaven. So that God can explain to them and demonstrate that their wealth is nothing more than heaven's trash. And so Sheba comes with a great train to try Solomon. And here's what the scriptures say. Now, some of the poetic verses of scripture that are written are written back. Hebrew is written from right to left and the storylines are written in Hebrew where they explain something or give the synopsis of something and then go back and give you the details of that. 
So that's why we find out on the first day, second day, third day of Genesis chapter 1. But then in Genesis chapter 2, the writer goes back to give detail of what happened in Genesis chapter 1. So man was created. Now we find out that Eve was created out of man and the rib. We get detail. We find out he's created on the sixth day. Now we get detail. The names of the animals and the responsibility and the communication between God and the man that's created in Genesis chapter 1 verse 16 all the way to verse 28. Then we get explanation of that. And the first thing God tells Adam is go and be fruitful and multiply. Because I want your fruit to remain. Be fruitful. And so the writer here tells us that the queen of Sheba is going to come, but it's not in chronological order. Verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 10, and Solomon told her all her questions. This is not in order. This is telling you the details. And there was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. Verse 4, when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he built. Now we get the details. The meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and the cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no spirit left in her. She comes into town with a train. You might say that that train might have been a quarter mile long of riches and spices and servants and camels and donkeys filled. And she marches into Jerusalem. Hot stuff, man. She's coming. She's the queen of Sheba. She's a successful black woman out of Ethiopia. And she is coming to see of this wisdom and see the house that Solomon built. She wants to hear of what God has been doing. She is already successful. She is already in the land of provision, but she is missing something because all the provision isn't meeting her need on the inside. So here's what God says to me and you. I'll meet the need inside first before I meet the need of the outside first. But we only have our hand out and not our heart open. So we restrain him from doing what he wants to do. We hand God bills. Here's our bill for this, our bill for this, our bill. You'd be excited if I told you that today, bring all your bills. I'm going to pray over them. They're all going to be gone. But you'd be like, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. We love this guy. Bring all your bills. Honey, get all the bills in the house. Get everyone else's bills. Bring them to the altar. Trust God, trust God, trust God. Only to leave and say, boy, that didn't work. That preacher's a false prophet. Are you with me? Because God don't want your bills. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's what he wants. And so she becomes to see a great train. She gets to the, she gets to Solomon's temple. And the Bible says, when she sees the meat of his table, he's not even in the room. The, the servants go out to meet her. Hello. You're the queen of Sheba. They open up the scroll. Queen of Sheba! Thank you. Praise God. The trumpet sound. Queen of Sheba! She sees them. She sizes them up. What they're wearing. The gold. The silver. The outfits. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says when she saw the sitting of the servants. Is this the king's area and quarters? Oh no, that's, the, that's our quarters. This is where we live. You live there. 
You mean I'm not at Solomon's quarters? Oh, no, 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 no. This isn't Solomon's quarters. This is where the servants live. Are you wearing the servant's clothes? This is the servant? Yeah, this is what Solomon's servants wear. Solomon's servants wear these types. Because Solomon is successful and all those around him are. When the Bible says, she said, is this the dinner table that we're going to see Solomon? He's going to come and eat. Oh, no, no. This is where the servants eat. This is where the servants eat. The sitting of the table. That's what it says. She saw their sitting of the servants and the attendants of his ministers and their apparel and the cupbearers, when she seen the success of the servants, the Bible says she was weak in the knees. Her spirit left her. A rich woman sees the success of the servants of Solomon. She knew Solomon was great. She knew Solomon was great because she was introduced to people who had provision. Provision. Sit here, this marble room here with the gold floors and everything and all of this. And oh, you brought some, what'd you bring? Some, oh, you brought some Ethiopian trash. Put it on the side over there because Solomon don't need all of that gold and all of that camp. We're going to donate that stuff. We're going to donate that stuff to the poor. Solomon doesn't need it. He serves the God. That owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Solomon speaks and God answers. Solomon wants and God gives. Solomon has a need. God comes to him. This is Solomon that God said, ask whatever you will and I will do it for you. Solomon has God's wisdom. He can figure anything out. Are you with me? We in the kingdom, we act like paupers. We act like paupers. Got to send the basket around four times. I've been to churches where they count it. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. <laughs> what does that mean? That's right. That's right. We're not going to move on until we have enough. What could happen if you get a group of individuals that trust God? No, 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 no. Listen, this is it. This is it. See, I can't control everyone else, but here's what I can do. I can say to Lord, Lord, I do not want to be Moses. I do not want to get stuck in this wilderness. I want to get to the promised land and do whatever you got to do, but I am not a wilderness preacher. I'm a promised land preacher. I need to get to the place of permanent provision. The place of permanent provision. Woo me to the place of permanent provision. And when I go before the Lord, I am going before the Lord with great faith great faith that I serve a mighty God. How can I expect God to deliver my children, to set captives free, to cast out devils if I can't trust him for simple things like heaven's pavement? There was no more spirit in her. There was no more spirit in her. She said to the king, it was of a true report that I heard in my own land, the acts, thy acts and thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed it not till I came, and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half wasn't even told to me. Thy wisdom and thy prosperity exceeds the fame in which I heard. Happy are the men, happy are your servants that stand continually before thee. Blessed is the Lord God. 
teach me about God. She brings home the message. The Ethiopian people get delivered. She doesn't stay with Solomon. She receives God as her mentor now. She becomes a Torah, Ethiopian, Sheba woman. She becomes a woman who goes back, brings the gospel to Ethiopia. Listen, she brings the gospel to Ethiopia. And we find out all the way after the resurrection of Jesus that Philip is on the revival service. And God is indebted to Sheba. And he causes Philip to be caught up in the spirit, to be brought to the side of a row in order to be met by an Ethiopian prince who's reading the word of God but doesn't understand it. He is the great 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 grandson of Sheba and he wants to know about this great move of God and there, there that Ethiopian who's indebted through lineage to Sheba who came and seen this God makes sure that the gospel gets to that Torah believing group of individuals. And he says, how can I understand it? Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I unless someone teach me? He receives Christ into his heart. Philip says, how about being baptized right now? They stop on the side of the road. Listen, he got beamed over there. Forget about Star Trek. That's a fiction. He got transported. He was preaching. I'm like, God, transport me right now. Wouldn't that be awesome? Go on. Are you with me? He gets whisked away, shows up on the side of the road in order to lead an Ethiopian to the saving knowledge of Jesus who then goes back to Ethiopia and shears the news. By the way, not only was he in Ethiopia, do you know who he was? He was the treasurer for the Ethiopian king. He was a man of means. He controlled the purse. God, again, dealing with riches. Proving that he is the richest of all. Are you with me today? I want you to say this. Six months to blessing. Six months to shame the devil. I don't know how many of you are going to get this, but six months. How many are looking for a transformation? Six months. That's maybe like five of you. I think I got five of you right now. Maybe about five of you that are actually going to believe God that within the next six months you can break down your wilderness tent. This is ideologies and mentalities. Break down the wilderness tent, the sojourning mentality. And you begin to say, you know what, God? You're going to bring me into a place of permanence. A place of permanence. A place of permanence. A place of permanence. I don't worry. Place of permanence. Worries out. Place of permanence. You got to let that settle in your heart. Place of permanence. Some of you are going to make that transition. And everything you see is going to change around you. Everything's going to see. Everything you see, your perception of life is going to change. Because you have expectation of a place of permanence. I'm 47 years old, and God's wooing me into this place. He's saying to me, son, I want to bring you to a place of, of permanence. Permanence. Where there is no want, you don't need to worry about anything. All you need to do is worry about the call. Yes. Worry about the vision, because I handle the provision. 
You say, well, I don't know. That's not what's happening. That's not what's going on. That's not what. Oh, shut up. Stop looking at things in the natural. Stop looking at things in the natural. It changes in here first. It changes in here. And you begin to say, that's it. We are breaking this. We are going to break this. We are destined for success. We are king's kids. We are king's kids. We serve a God. I mean, I, I remember when we bought our house and, and uh, in our home that we have right now, there's um, the, the dining room and the living room. They have a drop inner ceiling that's all gold. It's kind of gaudy. And we're Italian and Italians are gaudy to begin with, you know what I'm saying? And all gold and everything. And so, and so my wife was like, I think we should take down the gold. Take down the gold. Got gold ceilings? You want to take it out? What are people going to think about gold ceilings? I don't really care what people think. I want to look up and see heaven's floor. I mean, I want to look up. Listen, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's got little lights around it, too. So you click a switch and it all lights and glows at night. I mean, it's just nice to sit under a gold ceiling. I look up and I say, my, 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 look at heaven's floor. Soon I'll be at heaven's door. (laughs) Are you with me? I want to challenge you today. This is a word for you today. It's an individual word for you that God wants to take you to a place of permanence. A place of permanence. A place that Joseph gets to. A place that Job gets to. Job goes through a season of trial. We all are going to go through a season of trial in our life. But when it's over, God's desire is to bring us to a place of permanence. When Job gets to the place of permanence, he never looks back. The storyline shows he never looks back. God wants to bring us to a place of permanence. A place of permanence. How many believe that? If you believe that, stand with me. Come on, if you believe that, stand with me. things I want to do. Um, listen, there's two things that uh, I want to do. Uh, Pastor Lewis, come on up here. Where's your wife? I want to pray for the both of you, but when we receive the offering, if you could put the baskets up front. Where are the baskets? Where are your offering baskets? Where are your ushers? Do you, do you have offering baskets? or Put them up here. I, I, I Listen, the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night last night. I was woken up, and uh, the Lord gave me a picture of uh, pastors, uh, uh, Lewis and his wife up here, and his congregation bringing their offering as provision provision to fulfill the vision that God has given them. He does not lack vision. The message for the message for him today, the word for him today is don't let anybody hold back that vision. Listen, you at a young age, if you can get into your spirit, 
that you do not want to be in the wilderness, the belt that you do not want to be in the wilderness, and that doubt and that depression, you need to break that. Are you hear me? Because it's about God bringing you to a place. It's about God bringing the both of you to a place of understanding his provision over your life. It's about your church, the congregation getting to a place where they can sow and be a part of that provision. And so what I want you to do, I want you to see them as you begin to give today. Because God has a great, and I'm going to pray for them afterwards. But God has a great call on their life. That's why they go through hell. I know them personally. Me and my wife, we minister to them. We're in relationship and covenant. I say this as a father over the both of them. They are transparent in their relationship. And so, and so listen, God has a great plan for them. That's why the enemy, knowing that, tries to tighten his grip, tries to afflict them, tries to get depression to come on them, tries to get them to be discouraged with the position that God has them in. And I say to you, if you can break this now at this age. This, it took me years to break this. To begin to break this. So, How many are giving today? Raise your offering. How many are giving today? Raise your offering. I want you to give a crazy offering today. I want you to give like you believe this. Like, like you're king's kids. Like your king's kids. And sow a seed. Sow a seed that rivals the best restaurant that you might go to. Don't give God the drive through McDonald's offering. Don't give him the dollar menu. Give him that good seed. Give him that good offering that represents what God wants to do. Your offering represents you says something about, about you. says something about you and your relationship with God. Let your offering be a statement. Let it be a statement. Father, you see every hand that's raised with their offering, Lord. Today's a statement, provision offering that's going to be sown, Lord, at the feet of the visionaries of the house, Lord, that you might use and transform. That you might use this church in this city to break this mentality of wilderness and poverty and begin to teach your principles of success and prosperity, Lord. Father, we ask that you would multiply this seed back to the giver today, Lord. Father, we pray it today in Jesus' name. Come out of your seats and come forward and give your offering today. And then I want to pray for this couple. Honey, come on up here.